All right, just a couple more scriptures I want to share with you guys. Coming around the name of God. And a part of it comes from where we left off last time in the book of Exodus. So you guys can turn to Exodus 18 because that's where we're going to be headed uh, in a few moments this morning together. We read here in Psalm 111 verse 9, holy and awesome is his name. Think about that, guys. His name being holy, totally set apart and awesome. We also think about the name of the Lord, guys. We're told in Scripture that it is a strong tower. What does that mean, that it's a strong tower? Well, it's a place we can run to. Okay, there is strength that is found there. That's why I think we cry out to Jesus, right? God, help me. Uh, We already looked at this, unite my heart to fear your name. So guys, again, names matter. The names of God, they help us not just know what he does, but who he is. They teach us of his nature. I just want to encourage you guys, uh, do some studies. Just Google the names of God and hundreds of things will come up and just spend some time in that, praying those things in, which would be really good. Um, And the reason I bring this up, because last time uh, we were in chapter 17 of Exodus, and I think it was verse 15 there. You guys can look in chapter uh, 17 there. Is that where it declares the name of the Lord? The Lord is my banner. And we talked about that, that Jesus is our flag, okay? And I've been chewing on that a lot the last couple weeks, just thinking about the reality that, hey, (laughs) his flag's still flying. There's a lot of flags that come and go, okay? Think about that, guys. But his flag is still standing, okay? We, as Christian soldiers, are still marching on. We're following. We find our identity in him, okay? That's the flag as believers that we fly. But just to really think about that, okay? The name of the Lord, okay? That he is our banner. And I want you guys to really, um, yeah, allow those things to go into your, your heart, to really process and to live out those truths. And that's kind of where we leave off uh, the children of Israel after many miraculous things taking place for their deliverance and the promise. They're headed to the promised land. They're camping. I got a t-shirt from my sister-in-law for my birthday a couple weeks ago. It says, Jesus you know, so she gets me, and then it says camping and coffee. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what life's about, you know, and it's about Jesus. I'm, 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 I'm part of his kingdom. I'm his kid. I'm, you know, my citizenship is there with him in heaven. I'm just passing through right now, you know, camping kind of like the children of Israel, right? They're headed to the promised land. They're camping over here, and then they move, and they camp over here, just camping around until they enter into the promised land. So that's what I'm doing here. I'm just camping out until I get to go home and I'll enjoy some coffee along the way. So, um, yeah, I'm a pretty simple man. (laughs) Um, Let's pray. God, we are grateful uh, every time that we get to open your word together. And we would ask grace once again this morning as we have the privilege of studying your word. God, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, giving us those ears to hear what you would have for the church, for us this morning. God, we want to be doers of it, not hearers only. God, change us. Be glorified. Help us to see more of you, Jesus. 
We ask in your name. Amen. We can pray that because the volume of this book is about who? Yeah, even here in the Old Testament, because didn't we see last time in chapter 17 that rock which Moses struck? Weren't we told by Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 that rock was Jesus, right? So we're going to consider chapter 18 together this morning, and I entitled this morning's message, Multiplying Ministry, or Multiply Ministry. How many of you guys want to be fruitful for the Lord and multiply? Aren't we told to do that in Scripture? Be fruitful and multiply. And ministry, guys, is not for just the ministers out there. Do you guys know that we are all ministers? We are all in a place of leadership, whether we like it or not. Why do I say that? Because really, what is leadership? It's influence. And don't we have influence, whether we like it or not? Some of you guys might have, you know, the influence of your family, your kids, your spouse, maybe your neighbors, maybe the place you work, okay? Some of you guys may have a greater influence. You're, you know, in touch with a lot more people in life, and you might have more opportunities to speak. But regardless of who you are, we all have a place of influence, And in that, how do we minister? How do we serve and love others the way God's called us to do? And I think we're going to find great encouragement this morning for us as believers and also as the church of Jesus Christ to be able to, you know, what what do you have? What are you asking of us? And my prayer coming into this morning is that God would speak to us individually, okay, through this chapter, what it looks like, how can we live this out, apply these truths to our lives, but also as a church family, okay? We don't just do this because, hey, you know, nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. No, we're the church. There's a purpose. God has chosen the local church as his method to bring the good news of himself to the world, okay? But there, and we're getting all that. I would like to just read through the chapter before we jump in and start digging in together. So we read in chapter 18 this morning of Exodus. In Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all, of all. Has God done a lot of stuff up to this point? Oh, yeah. All that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And again, Egypt's always a picture of the world. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. And her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, and I want you guys to catch what their names mean, okay? Gershom's name means, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer. And he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and with his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons with her. So Moses, he went to meet his father-in-law. He bowed down and he kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being. And they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. 
all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done in Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Sorry, verse 11. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. For in this very thing in which they had Behave or behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father in law, hey, he took burnt offerings and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father in law before God. And so it was the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all, um, all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you morning until evening? And Moses said to his father, uh, father-in-law, because the people, they come to me to inquire of God, And when they have difficulty, they come to me. And I judge between one and another, and I have to make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice, and I will give counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God and the people, that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and laws, and show them the way in which you must walk and work that they must do, or they must do. And moreover, verse 21, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter that shall, or they shall bring to you, but every smaller matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. And if you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will also go their place, or to their place in peace and shalom. Verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did as he had said. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people. Rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. 
So before we get into where I want to focus this morning, which is really talking about shared ministry, multiplying ministry, I want to recap a little bit because we're introduced to this man named Jethro. Who, who, who is this Jethro? Is this Jethro Gibbs from NCIS? <clears throat> well, Jed, clamp it, right? That's Beverly Hillbilly, right? Redneck. No, not that Jed either, Okay. This is Reuel. If you look back to chapter 2, you don't have to look there, but I think it's around verse 15. We were introduced to Zipporah, Moses' wife's father. Reuel was his name there, and he was the priest of Midian. And if you guys recall that story in chapter 2, Moses went and he kind of stepped in between the seven daughters of Jethro in the shepherds that were coming against them, you know, and he stood up. This ain't going to happen. And as a result of that, Moses taking care of his daughters, hey, you can have one of them. Here's Zipporah, okay? So they got married, and now they have two sons. And did you guys catch their names? Gershom, we're told there, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. You guys remember Moses himself, okay? Where did he grow up? We know that he was a Jewish boy. Okay? He was one of the Israelites there who were in bondage and slavery to the Egyptians. But he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Okay? One of Pharaoh's daughters took him to be his own, her own kid. So he was living in a foreign land among a foreign people. And that's one of these things. And there's something about namesakes, aren't there? Think about that with me for a second. Okay? Names mean something. We just consider the different names of God and how important that is because it speaks to who he is. And some of us, okay, we have a namesake, and that means something to us personally. When Sonny and I had kids, we purposely really prayed, like, hey, naming our kids, this is going to be an important thing. What does it mean to name a son Uriah Josiah? Wow, that Jehovah would be his light and that he would be a servant of Jehovah. A Phineas Aaron an enlightened oracle, a warrior priest. Shalom Karis, grace and peace be to you. We pray that our kids would live these things out, that we would really embody those names. And when we look at our kids and we remember those names, we're reminded of things of the Lord. So think about a name like Gershom. <laughs> Just passing through, right? <laughs> we're sojourners here. And then his other Son, Eleazar, he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. What a cool name for a son, huh? Wow. My dad's God is awesome. That's pretty much what his name means, right? He's the deliverer. That's my God. So it's pretty important. And so it comes, you know, to a point where Jethro is now in Moses' life once again, okay? They hadn't been there. They hadn't seen the deliverance that took place there in Egypt with all the plagues and then the parting of the Red Sea. They hadn't heard of that. But he's finally reunited with his family and he gets to share with them all that had happened. And I don't know about you guys, but there's power in testimony did you guys catch it in verse 7? So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. They bowed down. He kissed him. They asked about each other's well-being here. And you look what happened in verse 8. Moses tells his father-in-law what? 
everything, right? He told about the Lord had done concerning Pharaoh, the Egyptians, for Israel's deliverance there. And I so love it, guys, because in verse 9, what are we told? Then Jethro rejoiced. Wow. That's what happens when we testify, brothers and sisters, when we share about all that God has done. Okay, he has saved me. He has delivered me. Man, the blood of the lamb has been applied. Okay, the angel of death has passed over me. I've been saved. I've been delivered. I was in bondage. I was in slavery to the world. But God set us free. We've crossed over. God did a great miracle. There's a promised land that's awaiting us. We are on our way there now. Wow. Share about the goodness of what Jesus has done in your life. And let me tell you what, people will rejoice. And I think then they might get saved too. Right? What is the God of this age doing right now? Do you guys know? Blinding what? The eyes of who? The lost, the unbeliever, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that. Okay? At least the gospel should shine upon them that they could see. We're told in Revelation 12... How do they overcome Satan, the God of this age? By the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of the saints, right? Guys, we need to be testifying to the goodness of God. When is the last time you got to share your testimony with somebody? Pray for those opportunities. Yesterday I was taking Shalom to karate. She's going for a black belt right now. Um, And we were talking about sharing the Lord with others. And how important that is. Like she was really excited camping a few weeks back. She shared Jesus with another camper and older later there. But she's like, Dad, she already knew Jesus. And they ended up having some fellowship, which was really cool. But she's been doing karate for a couple years now. And we're talking about opportunities. Like how does that look in a karate setting during your class, during your training? Okay? And we talked about the importance of praying. And we really need to pray when we go to witness. That we need to be praying for a boldness. We need to be praying for courage. And most of all, praying for opportunity that we would see when a door opens that we can share Jesus. So it's so cool when we just have relationship already with somebody and we connect. Hey, how you been? <laughs> been good and it's because of Jesus let me tell you what he's been up to in my life as simple as that so I don't know if Jethro got saved here like I look at verses 7 and 8 you know Moses testifying and then we're told where was it verse 12 then Jethro Moses father-in-law took burnt offering sacrifices and offered them to who God Okay, he saw like, hey, this God's better than the other gods. I've been this priest, this religious dude in Midian, but this is God, okay? My sacrifices are gonna be for him now. I'm gonna break bread with who? With the children of God, Israel, those who are governed by God. Pretty cool, huh? So, this all goes down I think Jethro may have got saved here, believed. And then in verse 14, the question comes up because 
His father-in-law has some insight, some wisdom to pass along unto Moses. In verse 14, so when Moses, Moses' father-in-law saw all that the people did for, or he did for the people, he said, why is this thing that you are doing for the people, or what is it? And why do you sit alone? So in other words, Moses, there's so much going on right now. This isn't healthy for you. This is not a good thing. It's going to burn you out, dude. <laughs> okay, you can't keep doing what you're doing. Okay, and why are you the only one doing it? Okay, God has called us all to be servants. Okay, we are to minister to one another and so fulfill the law of Christ, right? Loving each other, caring for one another, bearing one another's burdens. This is the heart of God. But we have become so self-absorbed. Okay, we even see it in the church today. I was at a service last week with some brothers and sisters. In the entire time I was there, it all was about self. What can I get? What can I get from God? What can I get from the church here? It was very self-absorbed, okay? It's about self-esteem because you can do anything. You can get anything you want. You just have to have the right positive thinking, and God will bless you in it. That's not of the Lord, guys, okay? What we're told when it comes to self, specifically self-esteem, the only place I've seen in Scripture where it talks about self-esteem is to esteem others better than yourself, that's what we're called to, okay? If you have an identity problem, if you don't have worth in yourself, you don't know how much God loves you. You don't understand how he sees you, how precious you are to him, his compassion and his loving kindness towards you. You need to pick this up and start reading, okay? This, we find worth. Why? Because the one who is worthy says we have worth. And that worth is because we are his. We've been created in his image. Do you guys understand that? So in that, we are able to love. Why? We love because he first loved us. Okay? We give because we've been given much. We serve (laughs) because he served us. It's just an overflow of what God has already done. And then who gets all the glory? It's God, okay? And in here, guys, once again, who's getting the glory of delivering this great multitude of people, millions of people who are in slavery? God got all the glory. I mean, we've seen it. Moses, (laughs) I can't do it, God. (laughs) Who am I? I can't even speak rightly. You can't use me. (laughs) I think that's probably the reason God chose Moses, right? I can use you. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do. I'm going to set the people free. This Red Sea, no problem. You guys are going to cross over. And I got a whole lot of weight for you. So, the importance of shared ministry. This is the counsel that Moses' father-in-law was giving to him. You need to go, and I want you guys to look down. How does this look? Well, in verse 21, He says to him, moreover, you shall select from all the people. Okay, and these are the people of Israel, believers. And there's four things I want you guys to catch. These are the ones who are to be overseers, okay? They're to be able men who fear God, okay? Men of truth. 
hating covetousness. You guys think those things are pretty important in someone who's going to lead God's people to make judgment, to serve, to oversee? You betcha. And I love it because we, on this side of the cross, we are New Testament saints, okay? And God has established his church. And he's made it very clear what he wants to see in leaders. I want us to turn together to 1 Timothy. Let's go to the New Testament. We're going to look at chapter 3 together. And we're going to look at the qualifications of what an overseer, an elder, is to look like biblically. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, or on page 1471, if you have the same Bible I have. I love my little Bible. I love having bifocals now because I can read my little Bible again. Now, when we go to Timothy, okay, and Titus, do you guys know that those are pastoral epistles? They're speaking to the church specifically. What does leadership look like within the church? I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but as we've been going through 1 Corinthians, I'm kind of feeling like that's a leadership book too. Like it's, Paul's being very forward to what the church is called to, who he calls how he uses them, why he chooses them, what they should be doing. But here, I would specifically want to talk about the requirements biblically, okay? Because somebody goes to a school for four, six years, whatever it is, and they receive a certificate from their school, a piece of paper saying that, hey, you know, they did all these classes, they can now lead the church. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. Have you guys found that yet? No, okay? We want to look, what does God say when it comes to choosing elders? Well, God makes it pretty clear. Let's take a look together here in 1 Timothy 3. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires a position of a bishop, so that would be an elder, okay, an overseer, he desires a good work. Do you guys desire a good work? I want want us to think about this for a second. Okay, you guys have heard me say before, I hope every man in our fellowship is working towards being an elder one day. Why not? Well, the Bible says what? He desires a good work. It's a good thing to do. Okay? And why shouldn't we be in a place? What does a minister really do? Think about this. What does an elder do? They're a servant. And I think as we mature in Christ, and this is for you sisters too. Okay, some of you guys might, well, this is talking to the men. Titus is also a pastoral epistle, okay? And in chapter two, it lays out very clearly leadership for sisters within the church. There's a place. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. There's just an order to things that our brother, Elder Joe, last week brought to us. There's a headship, okay? There's authority there. Christ, he was submitted, right, to the Father, okay? Even Christ himself was in a place of submission, in that place of authority, And he is the authority over the church, okay? And then we have the men, okay? The authority there, a covering over the women. And that's just a setup that God has set up for his glory. But there is place, and I encourage you gals, the gals just finished on Friday mornings going through the book of Titus, and a lot there uh, speaks to leadership in that way for you sisters, Um, But we should be desiring to grow, and I think as all of us are maturing in Christ, we should be in a place where we have more influence. You know, hey, I've I've learned the word. 
I'm living the word. I'm not just hearing it, but I'm actually believing it and doing it, and I'm teaching it to others. That's what God wants us to do, right? Go into all the world and make disciples. Well, we can't make disciples if we haven't been discipled ourselves, and if we're not disciplined ourselves, then we have no business discipling others, but God wants us to grow. He wants us to be fruitful and multiply, that we too are going and making disciples. So let's look at verse 2. He begins these requirements or qualifications. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, and his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not knew or know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest he be puffed up with pride that he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. And moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, so unbelievers, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. So here... Very short, <laughs> very clear what God asks of those to be in leadership, okay? I don't think it's a big ask, but there are things here it's just like, yeah, okay, this is what God desires. And the validation, did you guys catch it, is that his house is in order, okay? If he can't take care of his own house, what business does he have trying to take care of the house of God and serve in that way? So these are the qualifications. And if you take the time and you study out the list here in Timothy and the one that we also find in Titus, there are 17 specific things that are given to a man to be in the place of eldership. Um, and we see that. I love that we're bringing on our brother Lance as our youth pastor, okay? And in considering that, you know, we had to consider biblically, okay? Is he qualified? Well, I look at it, our brother hits all 17 of those points. You could point to each one and say, yeah, okay? Um, yeah. All right, let's go back now. As we consider, there were four things in Exodus 18 that Jethro said to Moses, an able man, one who fears God, men of truth, okay? Truth's a very important thing, um, and hating covetousness, okay? And Paul wrote in the New Testament, I would have known that I was in sin in regard to coveting unless the law said so. Like, there's a place, guys, like, we need to come before God in his word, what he declares, and allow it to examine us, okay? Because the truth is, we are a covetous people. We're always looking at what others have, and we want that, okay? That is our society today. You know, and for a person to be a servant of God, our eyes got to be on the prize, the prize is not the temporal things of this world, okay? The prize is Jesus himself. And the prize, guys, is really, do you guys, does he deserve the reward of his suffering or not? When we see him rightly, that he is the savior of the world, that he is God almighty, that we've been created for him, does he not deserve for his creation to trust him? to love him, to follow him, to obey him? Absolutely, okay? And if we're looking at the temporal, if we don't have the eternity, you know, set before us, if we don't have that 
eternal mindset, we're going to be listening for living for the, the lesser. Okay? You might have a pastor up here this morning telling you how you can get that dream job and have that nicer car and a bigger house. You're missing the mark. Does God bless people? Absolutely. Is there anything wrong with having a nice house? No. But if that's your treasure, if that's your prize, if that's what you're listening for, living for, you've missed the mark. It's not about that stuff, guys. It is about him. And let me tell you what, he deserves all of us. He deserves the reward of his sufferings. So within that, guys, he goes on to tell us then that out of these men that are chosen, some are going to have different types of responsibilities. Some are to be rulers over thousands, some hundreds, some fifties, some tens. Okay? And that's God's deal, right? Okay? Because we're all made a little different. Some of us are able to handle a lot. Okay? I look at people who run a business and they got multiple employees to keep them all going, all busy, that work's still getting done efficiently. You got to be gifted, okay? You know, there's times I got three kids and that's, I only got three and you guys are overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, how are we going to get this done together? You know, we're all made up a little different, but it doesn't matter what we're called to. Are we faithful? Okay, if it's 10, am I going to be faithful with the 10? If it's 10 million, am I going to be faithful with the 10 million? It doesn't matter how many. What matters, am I faithful? Am I faithful with the coworker God's entrusted to me? To the neighbor I've been asked to love and to serve and to help in their season of need. With my brother and sister right here in the church family, you've asked me to intercede, to be on my knees in prayer for them to love them, to encourage them. Am I doing those things? Because the one thing that's required in a steward is what, guys? That he be found faithful. So if God is asking you to do 10 or thousands, whatever the case is, be faithful to it. Well, how does that look? <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I want to be the best leader I can be. And I know personally, I can't lead somebody somewhere I haven't gone personally. So the closer I am to Jesus, the more I study and I get his word right, the better I'm going to be able to give it rightly. Okay? Be an example. Well, let's go to Ephesians. Let's hang in the New Testament for a little bit. Let's go to Ephesians 4. I want to flesh out the function of the church a little bit with you guys this morning. Yeah, there it is. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. Let's look at verse 11. It says, He himself, who are we talking about here? This is Jesus, right? So Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. 
So it's not just, hey, we just need a Moses. He can just do everything for us. That's not God's way, guys. And this is the counsel Jethro is giving to Moses. Like, oh, you got to assign different people to do different things, okay? But here for the church, guys, we've been given these uh, different giftings, different callings within the church, and there's a purpose for it. And I want you guys to catch the reason God gives these different people to a church. He says, for the equipping of the saints. Okay, this is the purpose of the church. For the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ that we should no longer, guys, be these who are being tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But what? Speaking the truth in love that we may grow up all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom we gather by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Guys, we all have parts to play. Why? Because this is what grows up the church. This is what builds up, edifies the church. Okay? And how does that look? If there's just one, two, three people doing that, how effective is that going to be? It's when we take the call of God seriously and say, hey, we all have a part here. How can I serve? Okay, is that your prayer when you come to church on Sunday? You know, how can I be a blessing to my brothers and sisters? Okay, what can I do? Is it serving the kids? Is it making sure people feel welcome, maybe visitors that are coming for the first time as they walk through the door? Have I been praying this week that God really would move in power, that his word would go forth in truth, that people would be set free by it? Are we engaging in those opportunities to be growing? Because let me tell you what, we are here, and I know my call as your pastor is that you guys are being built up, okay? We grow by the word of God, okay? It's something that's going to grow us up, and we believe what God says about his word. That's why we take it very seriously here at Freedom. With our kids' church, it's not just babysitting this morning. (laughs) These kids are learning the truth of the scriptures. It is important, guys, that we know the truth, that we are being built up. But we all need to be doing our part in working together Okay, we all part of his body. We have different joints, different functions. Do you know what yours is? Because it's all going to look different. We all have our different parts. And are we faithful to those parts? Okay. Um, I'd encourage you guys to really pray and ask the Lord what that looks like. What are you asking me to do? And it might be something uncomfortable. He might ask you to step out and do some things you've never done before. And that's Okay. It's not about you. It's about him. And if he says, son, I want you over here doing this. This is what you do. You know? Son, I want you to teach my word. I have a hard time reading God. I have a hard time reading your word. I was a horrible student, and now you want me to be a teacher? (laughs) How does this work? Who gets the glory? Okay? It's him. It's him. And it's all to him. He's the one calling the shots. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 5 together. 
towards the end of the New Testament here. Peter exhorts here as being a fellow elder. You guys know that he was an apostle, but he was also an elder, an overseer. Some like to refer to him as the first pope. I don't know if he would say yeah. But But I love what he says here at the beginning of chapter 5 because it really brings some clarity and I think just insight to how we need to prioritize things within the church and how we are to look to leadership and what their role is in being examples. All right, first Corinthians, or sorry, first Peter 5, he says, The elders who are among you, I exhort, okay? And he says, That I, who am a fellow elder, and I witness the sufferings of Christ, also partaker of the glory that will be revealed, he says, Shepherd the flock of God. I want you guys to picture a shepherd in your mind. What does a shepherd do? They take care of a bunch of sheep, sheep that really can't take care of themselves, okay? They need to be led to the water to drink. They need to be given food, okay? They end up getting hurt. They need to be taken care of. They end up being naughty. They need to be disciplined, okay? That's that's sheep, and that's what a shepherd does. So this is a way that elders serve is like a shepherd, of the flock of God, which is among you, okay? Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, okay? It should be something that is in the heart. I want to serve my brothers and sisters, okay? It's one of those things, hey, just appoint more elders. We need more leaders. Just make men do these things. It's what they should be doing. If they're not willing to do it, they have no business doing it. Do you guys get that? Okay? It's a calling. It's hard to run from a calling from God. It's just one of those things that need to be in our heart. We need to do it willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you. Okay? It's not about like, hey, I got this authority and I get to be lured. No. <laughs> we are to serve. That is God's heart for those who are under shepherds. Look where he goes on to say, we're to be examples to the flock. Okay, is that just at church? Oh, we shake hands, we greet new people, we pray for those that need prayer, you know, we'll help speak and help arrange service, make sure everything goes well. No, it's example. How do you love your wife? How are you leading your kids? How are you in the workplace? How are you among your neighbors in your neighborhood? Uh, To be an example, And when, I love verse 4, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. Do you guys know who our senior pastor is? It's not me. (laughs) It's Jesus, okay? If you go off to our website, okay, hey, I want to look up Pastor Landon. You're not going to see senior pastor Freedom Fellowship there, okay? I'm the vision and preaching pastor. Why? Because that's what God's called me to do. Okay? I'm the primary teacher. Cool. Okay? But I'm not a senior pastor because there's one senior pastor, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the chief shepherd. Okay? Can't have a bunch of Indians, right? (laughs) Got to have some chiefs in place. Well, there's one chief in the church of Jesus Christ, and it is him. 
we're just under shepherds. So if you're called to serve, to be in a place of leadership, to oversee things, you're just an under shepherd. That's all you're doing. And what do we do? We point people to Jesus. That's what I try to do every Sunday with you guys. We're going to open his word, and we're going to look to the chief shepherd together. Guys, it's him. (laughs) He's the head of the church, okay? The church is built upon him. He is that rock, okay? (laughs) We build on anything else, we're going to be in trouble. Okay, you build a church upon anybody else but Jesus, you're going to be in trouble. I was hanging with a good friend this last week, and I was in preparation for teaching this morning and stuff, and a chapter like this hits home as I've been called to be an overseer, to be a servant, to be an under-shepherd, and I was reasoning a lot with him. And we were just talking about how things work here at Freedom Fellowship. You know, what does the leadership look like? How does it work? And he asked me, what if the Lord calls you to do something else, Landon? Would the church remain? And I said, I sure hope so. Because all I've been doing is pointing people to Jesus. I don't want them looking to me. It's not about me. Some of you guys have heard and have some questions. We've heard that you're thinking about stepping away from being the lead pastor, teaching pastor, vision pastor when you turn 50, that you want to come along other younger ministers and disciple and pour into them and raise them up. How does that look? What happens to Freedom Fellowship at that point? I hope nothing changes, guys. I hope that we're in a place that, hey, this is Jesus' church. This is what he is doing. He is the rock, and he's going to continue to do. And whoever is teaching and preaching on a Sunday morning, guys, that they're pointing people to Jesus, that they're opening his word. What does he have to say? What does he want? What does he expect of us? Where is he taking us? And we're going to follow him. That is so important, guys. So I want to encourage you, when it comes to church leadership, to have a biblical mindset on what that looks like. Because let me tell you what, I've seen too many people who put men, these different ministers on pedestals, and they mess up, which we all mess up, I mess up. But man, the fall is great. Why? Because they've come to a place that God never intended them to be. Eyes are not to be on us. I want to say follow me. But follow me, guys, as I follow Christ. Wasn't that what Apostle Paul said? Okay. I take serious when it comes to my own holiness and my walk with the Lord. If I'm not doing it, how can I be that example? And for any of you, again, we're all ministers. We're all leaders. We all have influence. If we're not living it ourselves, how can our children follow? How will our family follow? How will they see Jesus? How will our co-workers see Jesus? It's for him. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be legit. Don't you want to be legit? I don't want to play church. I don't want to give lip service to my faith. I want to be real. Do I do it perfectly? No. But hey, I'm going to repent. I'm going to keep pressing on towards the goal. I'm going to keep believing, keep serving, keep living it. Okay? And that's something, guys, we want to do. And that's part of my heart, guys, when I turn 50. 
You know, I think it is good that the church has overseers. I think it is good that God's ordained in his scripture that there are different seasons in life. And you guys know that the rabbis, when they turned 50, what they would, they, what they would do is they would step away from the temple work, okay, the ministry happening there, and they would go and they would pour into younger uh, men who are getting ready to minister and disciple them, do life with them, teach them to have all that experience. And that's where generations are beautiful, guys, okay? The church I went to last week, it was like a rock show production, Okay, everybody was super young. <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on here? And I'm looking around. I'm like, hey, where are my older brothers and sisters? Where are these saints who've been in the Lord for a while? Are they allowing this to go? Like, is this really happening at this church today? And I think it was happening because the older generation wasn't there. There weren't saints who'd been walking with the Lord who had some experience who could speak into these younger people's lives. That hey, guys, we're missing the mark. <laughs> It's all about Jesus. That's what it's about. So I love Freedom Fellowship. I love that we have generations here that we're doing life together. I'd love to see more of that happening. That's why I think small group things are good. Okay, let's get together and do life together. Okay, because you guys don't need to be coming to me with every, do you guys catch that here in Exodus? They're coming to you all the time and some people are like that. I need to talk to the pastor no, there's a lot of godly brothers and sisters who've been in the Lord for a long time that have some wisdom, okay? We need to have relationships. We have elders here that love you guys, okay? That are praying for you, that will pray with you, that will give you counsel, okay? Go to them. Talk with them about things, okay? Um, but we gotta know each other in order to do that in that way. But the big point, guys, is when the chief shepherd appears, okay, we're going to receive a crown. Why? Because <laughs> it's all about him. Okay, it's not look at how great I am. Look at what I can get out of this life. What rewards can I have now? That's all going to perish, guys. You understand that? Okay, we're living for eternity. So let's go back to Exodus 18. Is it really almost 11 o'clock? Wow. That's okay. I think I've gotten to the point I wanted to get to with you guys this morning. It says here in verse uh, 22, look down at the last part of the verse. It says, so it will be easier for you that they will bear the burden with you. I want you guys to look up here on the screen. This is our new mascot for our men's ministry. Okay, I told you we're going to have a bear theme. Um, and this is going to be our men's retreat next year, but this is something that God's been laying on my heart, and I really want to be speaking into our church family here, the importance of bearing one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2, and in so doing, you fulfill the law of Christ. We read that this morning before prayer upstairs. Okay? That's why we get together at 9 o'clock. We're praying for one another in the needs that are in the body. I encourage you guys to come and pray with us. It's a way that you can bear one another's burdens. And we're going to name the bear BB for bearing burdens. Pretty cool, huh? B.B. the bear. Um, so we are called to bear one another's burdens. And this is something, guys, that is in the heart of God that he desires to do. 
And it says in verse 23, and if you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will also go to their place in peace. Okay? Do you guys know that when the leader's healthy, <laughs> everybody gets healthy? Okay, it's one of those things, guys, we need to be in that place as leaders, as influencers, that we're in a sweet spot with Jesus. And that's something I fight for. I have a lot of struggles. I have burdens in life, you know, but I so daily, I want to be in that sweet spot with Jesus. It's not always easy. I get anxieties. I fall into depression at times. And there's times where it's a battle. And bearing burdens, they can get heavy. Okay, there's a lot of times where as an under-shepherd and overseeing, loving you guys as you guys are sharing your lives with me. I'm waking up in the middle of the night like, oh, they're going through that. And I find myself praying, you know. There's a lot of burdens that we carry, but we're called to carry burdens. But we're also called to share in those burdens. And then we gotta be together to do that. We gotta be vulnerable to do that. We gotta be real to do that. That's why I encourage you guys, go on a retreat. There's times at a men's retreat, there's been guys that have come to church for years and have tried to connect and it just hasn't happened. But one weekend away where we get to spend some face time together for a couple days, just in a couple days, I get to know them more. And there's a vulnerability and a realness and real prayer together that hasn't happened in how many years of going to church together. We gotta make place and be purposeful in that. That's the way God's designed things to be, to bear one another's burdens. So is that a cool bear? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Um, do I have one more? Oh, that's next week. We won't go there yet. I want to close with one thought real quick. And I don't have time. I was going to do an awesome illustration for you guys this morning. Uh, babe, would you come up here? Yeah, you're good looking. Come in. So we have... Um, in our front yard, I got a couple trellises this year. We have, um, what are they called? Clematis? Clematis. Clematis, there we go. Sorry, I'm thinking too much Bible this morning. All right, going into my gardening brain. Okay, we have these clematis. How many of you guys have clematises? A few of you guys. Do you guys have the purple ones? Yeah, okay. They're beautiful, right? Ours have all died now. I mean, the plant's still green and growing, but the flowering part of the season's done, but it's beautiful, right? And we've had them for years. The root structure's pretty strong. They grow up pretty quick. So we bought a couple, you know, terraces. Is that what they're called? Trellises. See, I'm not in my garden brain yet. Trellises. Okay, we bought a couple of them this year, which is really cool. They're about this wide, about yay tall, right? So these trellises are really cool because they have a bunch of little pieces that kind of are interwoven that give place for this vine, which I cut off every year down low, and the thing starts growing. And you guys who have these, you know what I'm talking about. They grow really fast, don't they? And over the years, it just has nowhere to go. So I'm like, hey, I finally have to get a trellis. We'll put that up, and they'll have space to grow, you know? But because we had a trellis this year, it's the biggest it's gotten. Why? Because it had more room. The vine could just keep going. And I felt bad because even with it being six foot tall, the thing still grew up to the top and it's still trying to find some other piece to cling to, <laughs> to hold to. 
And I'm just like, man, I should have got like two or three more trellises to put like that vine would have just taken off like one side of it. It's like going like crazy this way and it just wants to go. And it's just like on top of each other growing within each, it has nowhere to grow. And that's kind of how I feel as the church. You know, if we guys are in that place to say, yeah, I'm willing to be a piece of that trellis. I know I'm not the vine. Okay, we know Jesus is the vine. He's the one growing and doing, okay? All I am is I'm, I'm a pot, right? I'm, I'm in his hands. I'm a, I'm a piece of the puzzle for him. I'm just <laughs> whatever he wants me to be. I'll, I'll be a part of the trellis. And I think about that as we as the body, if we're willing to work together. So here's a beautiful trellis right here, okay? <laughs> now the problem with our trellis at home The vine's gotten so heavy, I have to keep pushing it back upright because it's gotten so heavy, it's starting to fall over. And that's not a good thing. But the reality is, if I come along and we put up another trellis, hey, I'll be another, another part of the piece. Maybe not a complete trellis, maybe I'm just one piece of it. Just think about what that vine could do, guys. How much more growth. Amber, you wanna come up here for a moment? <laughs> here. You can be another piece here, okay? And what if our sister Amber said, Yeah, I- I'm willing, okay? I'll take some of the burden of this vine. I, I see that you're tipping over here. Uh, I'm-, I'm willing to serve, I'm-, I'm willing to help, okay? What? Yep. She is. That's why I asked her to come up here, okay? Holly, you want to come up here? I'm asking her because she's got cool hair. <laughs> what if Holland comes up okay and Holland I don't know if you guys know this or not but she has a gift with music and I think she'll be part of worship team stuff someday up here a lot of you guys are already doing that okay but what if we had more worship team stuff like one of the things I would love to see is like hey what if we had more trellises okay what if who else wants to come up here who wants to do a home bible study anybody come up who wants to be part of that piece what could God do to in a home fellowship? What worship could take place in that time? Think about that, guys. Okay? We're just peace. You guys kind of know where I'm going with this. We could keep building onto this. But the point is that vine would be able to keep growing and going. Okay? Holland's going to Greenville for high school. Okay? What might God do through you in that place? And what growth might come as a result just because you're willing to say, yeah, Lord, use me. I'll be a part of that piece. And that can look very different because God can, you guys can have a seat. You guys get the point though? Okay, we don't have time. I was gonna make everybody do it and we're gonna have a huge one going out the doors this morning. (laughs) Stuff, I got a little chatty. But the point I want us to get, guys, is we are a body. Christ is the head and we're all just parts of the body. And are we doing our part? Are we doing, well, I don't know what my part is. Ask serve. There's always something to do, guys. Start in the small things. Be faithful in a little and God's going to give you more. Okay? Some people have asked, like, why, you know, why are you in a place of, you know, serving, you know, a church as a pastor? How, how did you get there? <laughs> I just wanted to serve. Before I was ever a pastor, man, toilets needed to be cleaned at the church. Guess what I did? I did a lot of the janitorial work. Hey, they were doing some addition work. Hey, I can swing a hammer. I'll do that. I know how to roll a wall. 
I can't read well. I don't know the Bible that well. But there's some, I know a little bit, I know a little bit more than the junior high kids because, you know, I'm 18. <laughs> I guess I can try teaching them. I'll teach them what I know. And then because I was doing that, I felt like this burden of needing to know more. So I began to read, even though I had a hard time reading, I began to read a lot of commentaries. I began to read the Bible a lot more. And that junior high study turned into five or six Bible studies every single week that I was leading. Why? Not because of me. It's just because I was saying, hey, I'll be part of the piece. Okay, the junior high, they need a Bible study. The high school needs a study. Hey, here's a purity group for the boys. Hey, there's some young adults that want to get together. I'll do that too. Where can I serve? What can I do? And yeah, I was still cleaning toilets during all of that. (laughs) Just being a part of whatever's needed. It's not about being seen, oh, look what you do. It's about being faithful to the one who's been faithful to us. And what is he asking you to do? Because it might be just one thing, guys. And if it's just one thing, do it well. Do it in a way that honors him. Do it faithfully. But I have a feeling when we do the one thing, God seems to add another. And here's another. I don't know what God has. He's the one who holds the future. But I know his ways are right and good. And I see this morning in Exodus 18 that there's a wisdom given to us from the Lord that, hey, we need to appoint leaders, okay? That's what Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus. Hey, Pastor Timothy, Pastor Titus, go appoint elders. It's good. And something I look for, I'm looking for men. You look at our elders that we have, they were already doing it. It's not like, hey, we're going to name you an elder and then you're going to start loving and serving the fellowship. They were already loving and serving the fellowship. It was just a natural, oh, they're already doing it. Of course they're called to do it. And that's what we want to see. What are you guys called to? Our brother Lance being ordained as our youth pastor, he's already been doing that faithfully for three years. We're seeing fruit from that ministry. That's just a very natural fit. Yeah, that makes sense. But ultimately, guys, I don't know what the future holds, but we know that it's good. We know that God's ways are good. And I do believe that as a church family, guys, he wants us to be together, be connecting. Because what if we do connect and are willing to be a part of the peace? Where will that vine go? Where can we take Jesus? I think it would be beautiful. Amen? So, Father, we are asking of you this morning. We're, again, thankful for just how practical your word is and we do want to pray for our church family lord we're always asking you for wisdom god that you would lead us well that we would be in step with you wherever you would lead us god we don't want to misstep we don't want to get ahead of you god we want to be faithful with what you're asking of us lord whether that's maybe teaching our kids or being a helper to a teacher or maybe coming in and just cleaning up and preparing classrooms or uh, praying in preparation for what's going on or sharing life together, bearing burdens. God, we all have them. What a blessing when you send one of your kids alongside of us, Lord, to, to serve and to love us in those times, in those seasons where things do get overwhelming, sometimes too heavy to bear that burden. We're so thankful for those who've served us and loved us in those ways in your name, Jesus. 
God, and we want to be like that in like manner. We want to also love and serve to bear our brothers and sisters' burdens. I pray that you'd help us to be real as a church family, to be vulnerable. God, when things are getting heavy, when there is a need, that we would be vulnerable. This is the way that you've made (laughs) your body to be, to care, to love one another. You even said the world, the the non-believers, that they're gonna know that we're your disciples, that you are really alive by how we love each other. So I pray, God, that you would work and do something only that could be explained that it was your spirit at work, that you were the one moving. Lord, sorry for our selfishness. We repent of that. We do desire to live a life, God, as you lived, as you exemplified for each and every one of us. So help us to walk in love, God, to speak love and truth to others, Lord, to serve God, I know that you got much that you're desiring to do. We know that your heart is that none should perish. God, we want to be those who are uh, just willing. Whom will I send? Let us be those who say, Lord, send us. Send me. God, use us for your glory. Have your way this week. I know that you're going to have opportunity to rub shoulders with other people. Help us to shine well for you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.